0: Christmas is, uh, Christmas is interesting. It it really is a very, very unique, you can turn the music off now. I don't know, I can hear it, maybe it's angels. It's angels. I don't know, gosh, sound people. Thank you, Ryan. Just kidding. I just, I got, Christmas is unique. It really is, you know. I mean, you think about it. it it's, it's, it. I don't know about you guys. I, I think I do know about you guys, actually. But for me, it's a very. It is a sentimental time of year. It's very reflective. I find myself um, more emotional around Christmas time than I normally am. You can ask my wife or maybe my children. You know, I play Christmas music. I, I really. I start secretly playing Christmas music about the first of November. But, I, but only, you know, in my headphones. I don't play it out loud publicly till after Thanksgiving. But once the Christmas music comes on, I find myself... I'm singing, you know, in the house, around, a little more. I'm, I tend to be more jolly around this time of year. I don't know. Are you guys more jolly? Interestingly, I, I probably also uh, cry more this time of year than other times of the year. Yeah, both, you know, happy kind of cry and sad cry, you know, I mean, I th- it's just reflective, it's an emotional time, it's a sentimental time, it, you know, it, it's a, it, you get together, you, you I, I really do, I, I, I like Christmas because I think that we tend to be more intentional about our relationships around Christmas time than we might be at other times of the year. We focus on uh, and, and think about the importance of family, the importance of friends, we're inclined. To be intentional about calling people connecting with people, spending time with people more than we are other times of year I think that's that 's good. I like that. I like the nostalgia of christmas it 's very nostalgic time of year. Uh, we reflect more on you know uh, past things we, we think about you know Christmas has gone by uh, favorite time, favorite gifts your favorite present you ever got as a kid. you sort of reflect on those things families. We we all have traditions. You know, we have the the traditions, the tree, whatever. But every family, uh, and you guys know this, every family has their own weird little traditions they do too, right? You know, just that, whatever it is, the funky little fun things that make your Christmases special. We, We all have those. And so, you know, that to me really does make this a special time of year. I think that's all, that's good, and it's appropriate. And I'm thankful for all of that. Here, here, though, to me, is the challenge. And the challenge for, for us as, as kingdom people is to not allow that to become all that Christmas is. And here's what I mean. I, I think that we have a tendency to take that sentimentality, that nostalgia, that kind of warm, fuzzy feeling... And sort of roll the Christmas story into that. And Christmas becomes sort of this hallmark event. And, uh, you know, he, here's kind of what I mean by that. That's a hallmark card Christmas right there. Um, baby Jesus is glowing. I don't know why he's glowing, but he is. And, and the animals are gathered around, uh, you know, attentively focusing on the newborn baby, as farm animals often do. Uh, Jesus has a beautiful quilt uh, around him that I'm sure was handmade by someone and presented to Mary at her baby shower. Speaking of Mary, uh, she looks very put together to me for a woman who gave birth moments ago. Um, I've been there. It's not pretty. And, and, and I think there are more than a few women who have given birth who might take issue with just how good Mary looks right there. So, and, and again, I'm, I'm not against the, the sentimentality and the tradition of Christmas. I, I am 100%, and if you know me at all, you know how much I love this time of year I love Christmas. I'm I'm all I'm all for that, but I, I really think it's important that at Christmas time we remember why baby Jesus came into the world. And, and as much as all of the images and, and and all of the 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 hymns that we sing and the beautiful carols that we sang tonight, as much as all of that really does sort of lift that sentimentality and that emotion. I just think it's, it's, it's super important that, that we remember that when God became a human being, it was an act of war. There, there, there's a war going on somewhere in primordial history. Human beings rebelled against God, and they invited in principalities and powers and Satan, and war began and that's why things don't work, the way, they work the, the, the way they're supposed to today. That's why, if I can interject and give my two cents, that's why tragedies like what happened last week in Connecticut happen. And politicians can wrangle all they want about gun control and mental health and everything else, but the truth is this, that those things happen because we live in a fallen world and there's a war going on. And I don't think we can afford... To not remember that at Christmas time. That when Jesus came into the world it was an act of war. John tells us the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the devil's work. That's why he's here. Jesus actually says the same thing in John's Gospel. He tells us now is the time for judgment on this world and now the prince of this world will be driven out. We at Christmas time in services like this, um, typically, and we do the same thing, we read the Christmas story from the Gospels. And last week we looked at Luke's Gospel, we, we read that tonight in our Advent reading. Tonight I want to focus our attention on Matthew's Gospel and the part of the Christmas story that's there. But did you guys know, and, and I, I'm wondering how many of you actually did know, there's actually another version of the Christmas story. In Scripture that we don't often, in fact, to my knowledge, <clears throat> never read at this time of year. It's in the book of Revelation. Revelation 20, or 12: A great and wondrous sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of twelve stars on her, on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain, as she was about to give birth, and then another sign appeared in heaven: an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth, and the dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Scholars uh, debate over who the woman in the story is representative of. It's a, this is a vision that John had, and they don't you know, say, is it Eve, is it Mary, is it Israel, is it the church, all those things, but no one debates at all that the child is Jesus and the dragon is Satan. And that there was an assault planned against the birth of that child before it took place. So last week, the title of my message, for those of you that weren't here or can't remember that far back, was uh, Silent Night, Holy Night, or Radical Regime Change. And I talked about the purpose for Jesus' coming. And I want to continue that tonight, and my title tonight is this. It's Silent Night, Holy Night, an Act of War. And I uh, do want to look at some text in Matthew, but let's just take a second and pray first. Lord, I ask you would open our hearts, that you would grant us grace to receive from you tonight and to be reminded of uh, why you came, why the wisdom of God was that the God in heaven would become a person and come into this world. And that you would stir our hearts, Lord, to um, fulfill the purpose, the vision uh, with which you did come into this world in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to read from uh, Matthew chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. If you want to follow along, it'll be on the screen in the TNAV. But if you've got something else you like better, you can read that as well. It says after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, For this is what the prophet has written, but you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said to the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, refusing to be comforted because they are no more. So the uh, the three Magi or wise men, as we often refer to them, um, see a star, and they they rightly interpret the meaning of that star, and they come to Jerusalem to find the king of the Jews. And um, naively, innocently, uh, they think that Herod will uh, want to know this information, and, and so they go and they they share with him. Now Herod, of course, was the king of the Jews, and he is not impressed with what they have to say. In fact, it says that Herod was, Herod was disturbed, uh, he's troubled, he's angered, and he's threatened by what they share. So he gathers together his own group of wise men, and he gathers some more information about this happening, and then he lies to the Magi and tells them, hey, go find this child, and when you find him, come back and tell me where he is, because I want to go worship him too, even though he had no intention of worshiping the baby. His plan from the very beginning was, of course, to go and kill the child because he was threatened that the child might, in fact, take the throne away from him. Now, I don't know if this is the specific instance that's recorded in Revelation or not. My personal belief is that Uh, revelation is the the passage we read there is a broad picture that this is one illustration of and that there are many uh, that 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 picture is actually repeated time and time again throughout history but I, I think we can say safely that when cute little six pound eight ounce precious chubby cheek baby Jesus was born that it wasn't just a silent night, holy night. It was, in fact, a shot heard around the world. It, 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 it was a powerful, powerful act of war. The, the war was already raging, but God, at this point, if I can say this, was, was bringing out the big guns. God was firing back with an intensity and a power with which he had never fired back before. And so we, you and I, as Disciples, as followers of Christ, as kingdom people, we we are to engage in the battle, and, and, and it's a battle that, in principle, has already been won the, through His death and His resurrection. Jesus won the battle, but the world around us has not yet acknowledged that victory, and it really is classic of war. If you if you look at the history of war, whether it's World War II and D Day and V Day, or even in the Civil War when when um, who's the general Lee surrendered, all the generals didn't surrender. The battles continued to go on until they all surrendered, and there's, this, there's a lag. There's a lag time between the official end and the real end of a war. And really, we've talked about it before, that's sort of the time between the times. It's the time that we live in now. And so even though, realistically, the victory has been accomplished, the war rages on. Talk about the war and how we are to gauge in that war tonight. I want to do something again that we did last week. We, I want to look at history. Last week we talked about Caesar because Caesar is referenced in Luke's gospel. Tonight I want to take a minute and talk about Herod because Herod is referenced here in Matthew's gospel. The picture's a little dark, you can't see it very good, but he just looks mean. He's got the ZZ top beard going on and the flower pot on his head. I don't know if, I'm not sure if that's a fashion statement or if he just had too much to drink, but he's got a flower pot on his head, he's got a big sword, he's got the big beard, you know, he's a scary guy. Um, Herod lived from somewhere around 73 74 BC until somewhere from 1 to 4 AD, and the reason it's uncertain is that. The different calendars that different cultures have used historically don't all line up exactly, so the exact dates are unknown. But what we do know is that at the time of the birth of Jesus, that Herod was in fact king of the Jews. Herod was a what we would call, you might call, a client king. He was he was uh, he was paid. He was hired and released. Um, what you know, sent out. I don't know what the correct word would be by Caesar to rule over. Judea and the Jewish people. Herod was described, this is a quote from a Jewish historian. So these are, you know, Josephus and others that were of his own people. He was described as a madman who murdered his own family and a great number of rabbis. Herod was incredibly, incredibly wealthy. Uh, Some people have said, you know, I have no way of, I don't have even the the brain power to try to calculate out inflation, but people have said, relatively speaking, he could have been the wealthiest person that ever lived. I don't know. He had a lot of money. Although neither Herod nor the Jewish people were, were, were Roman uh, in, in, in their beginnings, they were, you know, Jerusalem was conquered by Rome in the same way that other peoples were conquered by Rome. They were part of the undertaking of the Roman Empire that we talked about last week, nonetheless, Herod was very loyal to Caesar and loyal to Rome because it served his purposes. As long as he served Caesar well, Caesar granted him the freedom to grow in the things that he wanted, which were basically wealth, power, and self-recognition. And so he served Caesar, served Rome. He was known largely for, I mean, you know, we talked about Caesar being a military genius, Herod, among other things, was a tremendous architect and engineer, and he was known primarily for these vast building projects he would take uh, he had undertaken um, at times, and again you know, n- there's no power tools, there's no cranes there's no, they, they had, they, they built buildings that had single stones that weighed 500 tons that were carved, cut out, and moved by manpower. He built different things, the Fortress, Antonia Fortress is a, a fort that he had built, the Herodian Palace where he lived, the, the Grand Herodian Theater where athletic events, uh, Olympic-type events would take place, the Temple of Worship, the Herodian Temple he had built. One, one of his most uh, amazing undertakings is called the Masada. The Masada is unique in that it's literally carved out of the side of a mountain And and it really is this. This is what it is, and this is true. Herod was what you is an early uh, what do you call the preparer, prepper? What do you call those people? Preparers or survivalists? Yeah, that. He this is he actually was concerned that something would go sideways. I don't know if it was the end of the Mayan calendar, which let's just take a moment and thank God we're all still here today, right? We. End of the Mayan calendar, nuclear war, Armageddon, alien invasion. I don't know what he was concerned about, but this place actually had built into it, I mean, this is amazing if you think of 2,000 years ago, underground caverns that were literally an early form of refrigeration. And he had food and water stored in there that he could live for years. And so if something were to go awry, Herod could retreat into this giant, fortress built into the side of the mountain and hide out there. I mean, that's the, the type of things that he was able to accomplish during his reign. He, he demanded loyalty from his subjects. He, he was extremely, extremely paranoid. The quote that we read from the historian is actually true. At least two of his sons and one of his wives He had killed because he thought they might be disloyal to him. Don't even look sideways at Herod because if he thinks you might be thinking of something bad, off with your head. He ruled the people with fear and intimidation. He really was a bad, bad man. And baby Jesus was born... To do battle with that. So it's kind of like in this corner you know, we have an ultra-wealthy psychopathic megalomaniac with the Roman army at his disposal and the big brother looking in the background is Satan and in this corner we have a baby born illegitimately to an impoverished unwed teenage Jewish girl In a barn. Uh, It doesn't seem like a fair fight to me. For all of Herod's paranoia, he got one thing right. The baby was a threat. The baby presented a legitimate threat. Herod didn't understand the nature of the kingdom of God kingdom of God is not a kingdom built on power in the classic sense of the word power it's not a kingdom built on force it's not a kingdom built on wealth and you can't use power force or wealth to overcome the kingdom of God but the baby did come into the world to establish to present an alternate kingdom kingdom of God that would subvert not only Herod's kingdom but all of the kingdoms in the world Herod did what earthly rulers do. He tried to stop the threat that was coming against him, and in this case he did so by uh, he was furious, it says in Matthew, and he ordered the slaughter of the innocents, the slaughter of the male children under two years old that we read about. Uh, That's the type of person he was. God warned both the Magi and Joseph in dreams. Joseph Mary and Jesus, he fled to Egypt, and um, was able to Jesus to fulfill the purpose of God. You couldn't, you couldn't stop his kingdom from going forward with power, force, or wealth. His kingdom isn't built on those things. His kingdom is built on humility and servitude and love. It's not built on coercion and forced loyalty. The loyalty of God's kingdom is built on God serving his people and his people then bowing down before him. And, um, you know, I I just think if if we're going to follow that king, if we're going to celebrate the birth of that king, if if we're going to follow after him, then we need to make the decision that we too will live like him, we we too need to decide that we're going to revolt against the empires of this world through love and sacrifice. See, the irony is the, the greatest victory in God's kingdom came the day he was crucified on a cross. And again, to the natural mind, that doesn't seem like a victory, that seems like a defeat. And yet if you see it through the eyes of the kingdom, it's profoundly beautiful profoundly beautiful. So, this is my point. My point is, the Christmas story really is a beautiful story. It it really is. And and this is what makes it a beautiful story. The baby wins. The, The baby wins and his kingdom wins because all other kingdoms do and will come to an end, but of his kingdom, of his rule and reign, there is no end. So today, as we live, that war continues. The war continues. You know, I guess in one sense you could say, and I'm not saying, you know, literally, but the spirit of Herod still roams the earth looking to kill that baby and stop that kingdom. And God's called us to be his agents today to work against that and to stand against that. We fight the way that he fought in our series on prayer just a few weeks ago I I said that really in in the realm of warfare we have two weapons we have two primary weapons we have prayer and acts of kindness and I want to just reiterate that today and I want to say tonight I I believe this is a fitting celebration to celebrate the birth of Jesus It, it, it is is this look you know I'm like you guys listen to the news this week and, and uh, you know the questions and the political wrangling is at a fever pitch you know and, and the arguing and what's the cause and who's to blame and what do we do you know and, and, and all of that and, and look we can't answer all those questions and, and, I, and I don't know that the politicians can answer all those questions But what we can do is this. We can pray. And and we can pray for the families that lost loved ones. We can pray for peace. We can pray for those communities. We can pray for our country. We can pray for our leaders. We can pray for wisdom and guidance. We can pray that God's kingdom will come and his will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And, And we can the way he fought we can advance the kingdom with acts of kindness and i would encourage you guys what's a fitting celebration for the birth of christ i think it's this i think it's take every opportunity you have to express kindness and love and grace to other people i i i know somebody this week who after last week called me and said hey i was inspired by what you said and we've made an appointment to take a lot of things that we have that we don't need and to a shelter here in town, and just distribute those and give them. More. And I said, "Man, that's it, you know." And the truth is, it doesn't have to cost you a dime. We can advance God's kingdom with an encouraging word. You can advance God's kingdom with a smile on your face. You can advance God's kingdom. You know, if somebody signals and wants to get over in front of the freeway, for God's sake, just let them in. All right, just let them in, and wave and smile. You know. Just take every opportunity to fight the way Jesus fights, to be people of love, people of service, people of compassion. Because it's, 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 it's one of the greatest weapons we have. And, and th- that's how I encourage you guys. I, I, don't forego your traditions. Don't not do the things you do. I, I, I started tonight, and I'll end by just saying I love all of it. But I just think that to forget why Jesus came and to not celebrate his birth, in a way that's fitting of why he came would be, I think, to miss out. Let's stand. Look at that. We got done early, and yeah, I'm good. I want to, um, Cindy. Would you come up and just play? Just play something nice. Make me turn the reverb back on. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> it gives me a look like, should I? Um, hey, I want to I want to just pray and ask God's Spirit to come, and then we'll kind of see what happens. But I, I'd like to pray for some of you tonight. Lord, just uh, let Your Spirit rest upon us now. Let us feel Your presence and Your peace. Let us know You're here.